Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. The book of Ephesians chapter 2. This is um, this is a standalone message, what we call standalone messages, that we're going to minister to the need we feel that's in the atmosphere the church may have. Uh, really, tonight's going to be a night of helping us understand more about yourself, more about who's inside of you, what's inside of you, and your value. You're valuable in this world right now. The church is so valuable right now. The the world needs the church right now. I don't know if anybody else is fired up about what's going on in our nation right now. What's coming down uh, the pikes, what's coming down into our social media platforms and and our entertainment platforms when it comes to different ideologies concerning our children's identity. We need the church right now to find its importance in this world. To know everyone has an idea of what we should believe. But there's something about you and I that God has put inside of us that makes you more valuable than we really know. Are you ready? Holler back at me now. Come on. Are you ready? And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And by the way, that hasn't changed. That system is still in place. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath just as the others. So in other words, he's kind of reeling them back in and telling them, don't judge too quickly because that used to be you. But he's giving them a place in their life, how they used to carry themselves the, under the influence they used to be under. And he goes and says, that was you. But God, who is rich in mercy... God who is rich in mercy. God who is rich in mercy. You'll catch it. Because of his great love with which he loved us. Say he loves me. Say he loves me. I know he loves me. I shouldn't be here. I I shouldn't even be given a chance to preach. I know he loves me. He's been merciful to me. He's been merciful to my family. I shouldn't even be married right now. I wasn't that good. I'm not even that smart. I don't even have the knowledge of the wisdom to to be in possession of the good things of, of life. But God, who is rich in mercy, rich in mercy, because of his great love wherewith he loved us, Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together in Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised up together, and made us sit together in 
Say it with me. Heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where are we at when we're in his presence? In heavenly places. That in the ages to come. In other words, not just in your life, but in the future generations. So what he's saying here, what the writer is saying, what Paul is saying to the Ephesians is that your children and your children's children may know. He might show the exceeding riches of his grace that in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God wants to show off who he is inside of you and show us what we have and who we are. Tonight we're going to talk about for a brief moment, I'm going to do my very best. If you'll just take notes tonight with me, if you'll just get with me, preach with me, speak with me, uh, holler back at me, whatever's necessary for us to get through this, uh, we'll get out of here faster because it doesn't take long to eat a good meal. I think it's a good meal. I think, I think anything God serves is good. What I just read was good. I didn't write it, but it's good. It's good. Let's get together and let's talk about this. The importance of knowing what's in you. The importance of knowing what's in you. Pray for the service one more time. Come on. Lift up your voice. Stretch out your hands. Ask the Lord to anoint me. Ask God to let his word have free flow tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your loving mercy, your tender mercy, your loving kindness. God, we ask you for help. We always need your help, God. We always need your help. We want your help. We desire you to bless every person here and those listening. Those that are even listening to this on YouTube later and those that are watching and listening to this God in person, but those that are listening on the podcast, bless everyone, God. Let us all be enriched with your revelation, understanding of your word in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. Give God one more hand clap and tell him, Lord, thank you. I could have been anywhere else. I could have been someplace else, but I'm in your house tonight. In Jesus' name, and you can be seated. Thank you for worshiping and giving your attention to the Word of God and being at church this Wednesday. So let me begin by, by really giving a kind of a premise for what we're and why we're talking about this tonight. If the world really knew what was in us, they would be running to the church instead of going to the options. And you can put a label on whatever the options are. There are many options. There are different types of communities. There are different advocates for different ideas. And we're living in a strange, strange time right now. Very weird. Um, I, was, I was at home and I got a text message from my, one of my kids. And it was a video of... The Muppet Babies. I loved the Muppet Babies when I was growing up. Y'all remember the Muppet Babies? Right? Mama, Papa, Poo Poo Chihuahua. <laughs> Nobody remembers that? I remember a lot of the Muppet Babies, and I was like, oh, that's so cute. And I thought they were going to send me something. It was going to be cute, and I pushed play, and I 
And it's a little scene they took off away from Cinderella. And, and they have the glass slipper in their pillow. And they're talking about who it belongs to. And all of a sudden, Gonzo. Remember Gonzo? I, I may get in trouble, may get flagged for saying these names. But that's okay. Comes out and he says, it's mine. I was the one dressed up like a woman. I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want anybody to think bad of me. But then he said, my real name is, are you ready for this? Gonzo Rella. It's funny to me. I don't care who you are. And I thought to myself, I know the difference and I know what's going on and I can see that. But little kids don't know. Little kids will accept any influence in their life that seems to be innocent. Something on the inside of me just came up. I don't even have grandchildren yet, but I felt grandpa come out of me. And then one of my daughters texts back on the family uh, text group that we've gotten. She said, that's why my kids are watching VeggieTales. <laughs> and I thought, very good, baby. Very good. Whether you've raised your kids already or not, and, and, and maybe you have just your grandkids to look forward to, I, I really don't believe, I don't believe in crossing barriers and getting into everybody's business. I, I, I believe that everyone needs their privacy. So I'm not going to show up at my daughter's house or anybody's house and say, hey, you need to do life this way. This is what you need to do. But there is a certain amount of influence that I still have with my children, regardless of the age that they are. And I still have two in my home, well, three. And, and I still have a responsibility. And, and what I see very clearly happening in our nation right now is that that hell, whether you agree with me or not, it, it doesn't matter. But hell is after our children. One of the reasons why the hell can get to our children, don't be naive, because when you're not watching, those little boogers really know how to work this thing right here. I mean, they'll go through, they'll download apps, you'll find it on your bill. They've learned your Apple password, and they've learned everything already. It happened to us about five years ago. $400 popped up, and we said, what in the world is this from? I asked my wife, when did you start playing games? She goes, I haven't started playing games. Well, we know who did that. That's another sermon. But the truth is, if you don't find the value in what's inside of you, if we don't find value in what God has put inside of us, we are going to continually allow our families to be influenced by others and be given more options other than Jesus. So the, really the, the question should be, not really do you know what's inside of you, but do you know who's inside of you? 
In order to know what's inside of you, you have to know who's inside of you. The attributes of the Spirit of God works through humanity. Right now, so many people are afraid to stand up for what's right, thinking they have to be argumentative about a topic or a subject. And you don't have to be. But one thing is for sure. We need to protect our marriages. Let me go back further than that. We need to protect our minds, our marriages, our children, with understanding how important we are in the eyes of God and what he has for us is far better than the options that the world has right now. Whether it's old-fashioned or not, you have to keep certain values in your life still to help our children recognize. I mean, we, when we talk about prayer, you, you, can't, you can't just cringe under the notion of that sweet discipline because it is discipline. It takes work to pray and think that no one wants to pray anymore Why talk about it. But I'm here to tell you, if you really knew what was in prayer, everyone would be at the altar every single moment of the day if we knew what was there. <laughs> Finding the value in something means everything. When you realize how valuable things are, you start to get a different perspective. You start to look at things and realize, you know, there's more to this than just going to church. There is more to this than just following through a regular devotion because even devotions can become religious. I wasn't religiously involved with my wife when I met her. I was infatuated. Now, don't look at me. Think, look at your own relationships. I mean, did you, when you first met the love of your life, were you like, Hey, how's it going? We'll meet here at 2 o'clock. We'll end it at 2.15, and then we'll see each other maybe next week. <laughs> That's not how it happened, did it, Johnny? <laughs> I mean, it's like Lionel Richie, right? All night. <laughs> I'm, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. There's no time frame. Little kids here tonight, so I'm just telling you that the reality is is that we all have a passion for the person or the things that we find valuable in life, and we take the time frames off of there. So prayer, if it's the avenue to get to God, then we, if we're not doing it, need to be renewed in our mind to find out how valuable he really is. What's the value of the presence of God? See, the disciples had firsthand experience in seeing the miracles, the signs, and the wonders, right? They knew that he could raise the dead. They knew that he could open up blind eyes. They knew that he could cast out demons. They saw the power, but they saw the end result of something he did in private. They saw that. They knew that he was capable, but what they did not know is that he was going to do the same thing through them. And in order for them to understand this, he allowed, I believe, he allowed them to come into that special arena. Jesus always 
found a secret place. And in order for them to understand what was really involved with the miracles, the signs, and the wonders, he took them to a secret place. I want to read you Mark chapter 9, verse 2. And I want to show you in the New Living Translation and write this scripture down and just make a note here. This was a secret place. This is what Jesus experienced possibly every time he went into prayer. It wasn't just a, a talk with the Father. This was something very special and very unique. The scripture says six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. He led them up to a high mountain. Say, say with me, high mountain to be alone. How many of you know that when you climb mountains, it's good to have a partner with you, but at, at a certain point, you're on your own. You got to carry your own weight. You have to learn to survive off your own oxygen. You have to learn how to, how to just take one step after another, after another. The higher you go, the more intimate it becomes. But he took them to an intimate place. And I think it's just the irony of it being a high mountain is so symbolic because as the men watched Jesus' appearance, tra he was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. I have never seen a woman or a man wear something dazzling white. Now, I think it's speaking of a transparency. I think they... You know, this is the New Living Translation, but it says that he was transitioned. He was, he was transparent. He was, this is called the Mount of Transfiguration. He was transfigured. And, and so far wider, it says, far wider than any earthly bleach could ever make them. There's a plug-in for Clorox. <laughs> far greater than we've ever seen before, in other words. Then Elijah and Moses appeared, began talking with Jesus. Think about this for a moment. While they're up there, Elijah and Moses start talking with Jesus. And Peter explained, Rabbi, it's wonderful for us to be here. He said, let's make these three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And he said this because he didn't really know what else to say. <laughs> now, that's what an act of God and an experience, an intimate moment with Jesus will do to you. It will cause you to be a, at loss for words. But if you ever have an experience with God, it's, it's very hard to to describe it. Some have described it as love. Some have described it as peace. But that doesn't do it justice. And when you try to explain the experiences of God that you've had in your own life, it, it's like you want to give them the same feeling that you had in that moment, but it, it can't happen unless they hunger for him too. But he took them there. He wet their appetite. And they looked at that. They would remember this for the rest of their ministry. They would remember the presence that was there. They will remember everything. And then to, to just 
top it off, look what happens. For they were all terrified. Verse 7. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. God said it specifically. Listen to him. They knew. From that point on, I guarantee you. I guarantee you. That that is a form of marketing I guess every preacher wished they had. For God to just show up over the church. (laughs) And a thunderous voice come down and say, listen to that preacher. I mean, can you imagine? He did it for Jesus. And they looked at Jesus. And so why do you think they asked him after this moment and during this time with him, Lord, can you teach us to pray? The value they saw in Jesus knew will be acquired through prayer. They never asked Jesus, can you show us how to heal the sick? Can you show us how to raise the dead? Can you show us how to walk on water? That was phenomenal. But they said, can you just teach us how to pray? Because we know that's how you tap into whatever you're tapping into. They knew the secret. Here's what I want to show you. Look at this slide really quickly. This is, this is, if we look at this, it said Jesus went to a mountaintop. Most of us understand what it's like in the valley. In the valley, God is so merciful. That's where the snow cap that's on the mountain melts. And and that's where if it rains, it goes down the mountains and it goes and just submerges into one river. The scripture says Jesus was seated in heavenly places. And actually what happened when the disciples went up with him, that is Peter, James, and John, they saw Jesus in his rightful place of authority conversing with people. Not dead people, alive people. Living people. God is the God of the living. And he was conversing with them in heavenly places. And he was talking with them. But down on the other side of the mountain, the Spirit of God was still working in the lives of people. That's what we experience in this earth. We have the river flowing in our lives through prayer, through worship, through, through devotion, through continual devotion and discipline in our lives. We recognize that that the more we go to God, the more we read his word, the more that we pray, the more of God we receive. But we've also learned that the more that we give out of our goodness, of the goodness of God, and the more we're benevolent, the more the spirit of God flows through us, right? We understand that concept? I mean, it's, it's better to be a, a blessing than receive a blessing. And God blesses us to be a blessing, right? So everything, considering time, talent, treasures, and whatever God has blessed us with, the purpose of that is to create a flow. As God's goodness comes into our life, then we just simply return it and reciprocate it. It becomes a river, and that's why we ought to not be 
reservoirs, we ought to be rivers. Be a river, not a reservoir. And when you look at this, it's, it's really a great example of what happens in our life. As the Spirit of God works in the earth, it comes in the form of the Holy Spirit. And God's Spirit works in the earth, and, and we are refreshed in the valley. The valley seems to be dark. The valley seems to be hopeless. But you know that's exactly what this world is like right now. I believe we're going through the valley right now in this world. I don't believe that this is heaven here. I believe this is a form of darkness. But Jesus is the light. And he's given us a river of life to live in our soul. And, and we're on a journey. Our journey, we can take a journey to the mountaintop through prayer. You see, if you follow the water back up, it leads up to the mountain, the source, the source. And that's what encountering Jesus in person through an intimate relationship is, being seated with him in heavenly places, being seated with him in heavenly places. Guess what? After you have spent time in prayer and you start acting on your prayers, that's when the river flows. And you prime the well, if you will, and you allow the overflow to begin to happen in your life. But depending on how much time and how much heart, really, because the biggest challenge we have right now in this world is time. Time. Like, if I went to your house and asked you for sugar, you'd give me plenty of sugar. But if I asked you for time, you're like, I don't know about that. <laughs> I was in a hurry tonight, and, and, and I felt like I was running behind, and I was in a rush, and I forgot to put my watch on. And I looked at my wrist before even I got up here, and I got up here again and forgot I had it on. It's just such a habit. But you know what's funny about that, about me not wearing the watch tonight, is that you can see I was out in the presence of the sun. I mean, the rest of my body's dark, most of it. TMI, I know, but <laughs> it's dark. But what stopped the sun from touching my skin left the true nature of what my pigmentation is. The new me looks different when I've been spending some time in the sun. But you can tell what parts haven't been in the sun by looking at my... And I think lots of times, I think we miss it when we don't spend enough time in the presence of God and we recognize the areas that are just in balance in our spirit. But if we know what it's like to be in his presence, if we understand the benefits of prayer, we know the difference when we see it on ourselves. In other words, we know, I, I, know the, I know the praying Pastor Bobby. I know the praying Bobby. I know the not praying Bobby. Okay, I know the carnal Bobby. And I know the spiritual Bobby. Well, stop looking at me. Do you know your carnal self and do you know your spiritual self? 
I mean, the only way to tell, here's the only way to tell. See, most people are accustomed to living life in the valley because God's goodness is still there and the river still flows. But being in the mountaintop is a whole different experience. Did you know that in battle, if you have the advantage, it's the highlands? It's the highlands. It's the place where you can go higher than your enemy to oversee them and strike them easily. But from a downhill valley perspective, looking up is a disadvantage. So when the Lord said we are seated with him through Paul in the book of Ephesians in heavenly places, we have the advantage in this world. And we have an experience that no one else sees and hears and knows about unless the spirit of God shows them. The value that I find that comes from the mountains into the valley is found at the very essence and the source. Wherever that water comes from, wherever the source is, if you can find the source, if you can find where everything stems from, it can help you navigate through life and make decisions better based on you understanding that you have a source that will never run dry. In other words, God is always going to be powerful. God is never going to be weak. God is always awake. He's never sleeping. God is always going to be there for you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never stop providing for you. He will never, ever leave your side. So when you feel alone and you feel like things aren't working out, it isn't that God left you. You left God. Up here. You forgot. You, we forget sometimes where our help comes from. That's why the writer said, where does my help come from? I look up into the hills. I look up to the mountains and where comes my help? My help comes from the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth. Has thou not known, Isaiah said, has thou not heard that the everlasting Father, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, for there is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength, but even the youth shall faint and grow weary. And the young men will utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with the wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and they will not faint. Why? Because they know the value of prayer. They know where their source is from. They understand that they're seated with him in heavenly places. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Position is everything. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it matters where you're positioned. Not just positioned physically, but positioned mentally. Positioned spiritually. Point number one, and I'm at two points, I have to move on. Point number one is you're valuable to God. You're valuable to God. God knows that you're, you're the one that holds the light. Can you imagine? God said, I'm going to send my son, but then I'm going to 
my son is going to ascend into the heavens and then he's going to, I'm going to pour his spirit out, the spirit of Christ in the earth, and I'm going to put it in human beings, frail individuals with flaws, nothing perfect about them. All of them are going to be tainted. All of them are going to come up sinners, but they're going to end up being saints. All of them are going to have a history. All of them are going to have a past. Look at the genealogies. Look at the generations of Jesus Christ. Every one of them had problems. Every one of them had problems and issues. But when you look up their life, every one of them also knew where their help came from. Everyone knew the value of living for God. Every one of them considered themselves to be strangers and foreigners in this land. They did not want to be identified with the culture. They did not want to be identified with the times. They did not want to be identified with the government. They did not want to be a part of society in their hearts. They were God's children, and they were from another world, even though they lived here. That's why the scripture said God is not ashamed to be called their God. That's why they're written about in the scripture. That's why God used them and said, I know they're not perfect, but I'm going to use their body to carry a seed. And when I send my son into this world, it's going to come through the womb of a woman who has kept herself pure, who has not tainted her spirit, her soul, her mind. And the angel showed up and said, Mary, blessed and highly favored of God. I'm telling you, there is a difference. When you are in love with God and you're living for God, don't feel like an outcast. Don't feel like, you know, I'm just this oddball. Good, good, good. If you feel that way because you love him, but don't feel that way because you're ashamed and embarrassed. What we need is a baptism of boldness back in our life. Boldness. There are people right now that are so bold about what they believe. And while the church is like, right? Right? I may be a good grandpa. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Don't you go to that church over there? Where? Over there? Aren't you a believer? Yep. You want to know why? Let's just talk real. Can we talk? Can we talk real talk tonight? Can we can we talk about this? You want to know why Christians are ashamed and they're embarrassed to stand up? For what they believe because they have lost their value, their sense of value, what they have and who they have in their life. They don't know what they've got. They have never been to the mountaintop. They have never given enough time to have a mountaintop experience because they're too satisfied to live in the valley. I mean, why would I leave the valley? The river's flowing. I mean, flowers are growing. 
on the mountaintop, it, it's cold and it's hard to get up there. I mean, it's like stair climbers. You know, you ever been on a stair climber before? That is one of the hardest machines I've ever done in my life. But when you're done, you're like exhausted. Can you imagine climbing up a real mountain? I'm not talking about Texas hills. I'm talking about real mountains. why nobody's experiencing that kind of an experience with God, an intimate relationship at that level, because it comes with the price. I'm telling you. When when God first saved me, I was vulnerable. Vulnerable to him and just vulnerable. I I went through a lot of lessons. What was right? What was wrong? I had a lot of zeal, but no wisdom. But, but, but it, through all the mistakes and through all the failures and through all the missing it, I've learned that it doesn't matter whether or not I preach a good sermon or not. That doesn't mean that I'm not qualified to the, to the office and the calling of God in my life. So I'm not going to stop pastoring just because I preach a bad sermon. Or think I preached a bad sermon. As long as I did what God asked me to do, I'm happy about that. So I love you, Jesus, and I do it for you. I love people, but Lord, I'm here to please you. So at the end of the day, I've learned that at the end of the day, I look back and I thank God for every good thing in my life. That that if I wasn't serving him, I wouldn't be here right now. I have what I have are able to do what I do. I mean, I believe with all of my heart that I'm even six feet above, well, I'm above ground right now because of the mercy of God. I, I, don't, belong, I don't belong in this house. I'm telling you right now, I was the most unlikely individual to do something like this, but God said they're messed up enough if I save them and love them. They're going to fall in love with me and appreciate it because whoever is forgiven much loves much. And to whoever much is given, much is required. Do you want to know why God saves misfits? Is because of that. Because people who have been forgiven of much in their life, they love him much I know the value in who God is, but see, I was so valuable. You were so valuable that he sent his son into the world to die for you and I. And because of what you are and who's inside of you, God says there's a price inside of them, and they carry the answer in this world for everybody that needs an answer. Do you know how important you are? Can I ask you, do you really know how important you are to God? Have you ever walked outside and said, boy, this this is a beautiful world, and and you see the squirrels jumping from tree to tree, running along the fence line, and then you see the birds flying, and and, and it's like, have you ever been to the park and somebody threw a loaf of bread or somebody threw a bread out there, and here comes the birds eating everything, and you're thinking to yourself, I have, wow, they got fed good today, boy. That's a good meal for them. And then you worry about your bills and worry about your obligations and responsibilities, and we forget how good God is. 
Let me remind you, Matthew 10, 29 and 31. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin. But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. I just, I just read you a scripture said that God said you're more valuable than any other creation and any other thing in this world. The value that God sees by looking at you is priceless. You know, now, now don't go analytical on me and start thinking, okay, what does a sparrow really cost? How much do they really eat? That's not the point. You missed the point. The point is, if God supplies all of their needs, who are we to not understand how valuable we are in the eyes of God? And so let me ask you a question. If, if we're more valuable than all of creation, then when the world needs an answer, when they're looking for direction, don't you think, or would you ever consider to think that God would lead them to his most valued children if you are that valuable then you are a gem in this dark world if we are that valuable what is it about us that makes us valuable what is it point number two the answers and solutions to your problems are in you because Jesus is in you but until you go to a mountaintop and determine within your heart, I am going to experience God and I am going to break the monotony in my life. And I'm sick and tired of falling short of the promises of God. And until you get fed up with your own inconsistencies. And until you get fed up with not seeing the hand of God move the way the word of God promised it to move. It is not God's problem. It is our problem not realizing that he put the answer inside of us. And he sees us as the most valuable of God. The most valuable thing in this world. My gosh. Acts chapter 1 verse 6 says this. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? That's what was important to them. In other words, listen to this. They thought the solution to their problems was destroying Rome and establishing Israel with the king again and raising up an alliance, an army, a physical army. They thought that 
he would do things again like he did in the Old Covenant. Under the Old Covenant, under the Old Testament. That the former glory would come back to the earth and that they would be vindicated by the government of Rome and by those that had them in hostility. That's what they were hoping for, only what they knew. But listen to what the Lord said. He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be witnesses telling people about me. Because the answer was in him. So he told them, he said, that is not the answer to your problems. I am the answer to your problems. And I'm going to give you my spirit. That's what the Holy Ghost is, in case you didn't know. It's the spirit of Christ inside of you. It is the spirit of God. And do you really know what you have on the inside and who he is? Do you not know that who's inside of you can provide every one of your needs do you not know that who's inside of you can heal every disease? Do you not know that he who's inside of you can deliver your family members from addiction, can deliver you from addiction, can give you the freedom and the peace that money can't buy? Did you know that he who dwells inside of you loves you more than anything in this world? You're the apple of God's eye. Somebody lift up your hands and your voice and tell, just tell them right now. Tell them, Lord, wake me up. God, let this dumb, let this blind spirit and foul spirit leave me and stop, and let, stop it, God, from interrupting my life. Deliver me and open my eyes to see the riches in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Say it out now, right now. Say it with me. Lord Jesus, set me free. Let me see. Open my ears. Let me know the depths of your love, the depths of your riches. Let me sit with you in heavenly places. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Whew. Come on, Haley, I got to give it up. Your greatest contribution to the world is your personal development in Christ. Your greatest contribution to those around you, to your family. It's going to come through your contribution. It's going to come through your devotion, your development, personal development. Personal development. Growing, maturing. That, that's what we're called to do, to mature in Christ. We're called to get off the bottle. Don't make me talk about feeding babies right now because I'm fixing to into a whole other level. I'm going to talk about it, okay? So, all of my kids were raised on breast milk. 
Don't look at her. All of them. It's the most healthiest thing you can do for your baby. But there comes a time where that has to stop. I'll never forget, I don't know where we were, sweetheart, in a restaurant. I don't know where we were. We were someplace in public, and this little boy had to be at least four or five. I don't know. In public, runs straight up to mama, and mama goes, and lets him go to town. And he runs off again and keeps on going. Guess he has good electrolytes as well. I don't know. Now, I, I, I understand this is, I mean, I'm kind of cornbread sometimes. But it's all right. God never intended his children to still drink milk from the body of Christ, from the, from the bride of Christ, from the church. But he intended all of us to mature and to find our value in Christ and our identity in him. So we can mature and begin to go out and do the works of Jesus. Let me rephrase that. So we can do greater works. Greater works. Whether that is in quality or quantity, I don't know, but it means what it means, greater. But if we don't find our value in Christ... If we don't realize he, he does have the answers, we're never going to make time for him. You, you don't make time. See, prioritizing is everything. You have to prioritize what's the most important thing to you. And you have to make a decision. We all have to make the decision. Who are we putting first? What are we putting first? What's priority? My kids need me to live for God. My grandkids are going to need me to live for God. My church family needs me to pray for them. You want me to pray for you. I mean, you have powerful prayers too, so I, I need you to pray for me. There are sometimes people call me and text me and say, Pastor, I'm praying for you. Oh, God, thank you, Jesus. I'd never take it for granted. It's the best feeling in the world when someone calls you up just to tell them about a, to tell you about a praise report and, and, and the good things going on. And when you get the phone call and you get the text that says, praying for you, Pastor, that, that right there, I'm like, I'll take it. I'll take it. Give me a hundred more of them because we have a lot to do. We have a long ways to go, but we can do all things through Christ Jesus. We're not done. We're not going to stop until every one of our family members are saved by grace. We are not going to stop worshiping God. I don't care what the government tries to do to us. I am subject to another government who's far above all other dominion and, and, and authority figures and all in this world. In fact, if it wasn't for the church in this world, this world would have already went up in flames. But thank God that Jesus and the love of God is in this world. And there are people who pray. And there are people who contribute to the cause of seeing Jesus become famous in this world. Don't be embarrassed of your beliefs. Start, start 
proving them right. If we do not find the value, it's because we lack an experience. Once you've been there and you've tasted of God, it's hard to go for anything else in this world. I'm going to tell you right now. I know what the writer meant when he said, oh, taste and see that the Lord, that he's good. I know, I know how good he is. I know how, how the peace of God works. I know what it is to lay down. I know what it is to lay down at night and have the Holy Ghost just resting on me and me being able to go to bed and knowing in my mind if I die tonight, all is well. Uh, I know what it means to wake up in the morning and give him praise and thanksgiving and feeling a reassurance from him that everything that day is going to work out for my good because I love him and I'm called according to his purpose and I'm walking in his purpose and I'm nobody's going to get me outside the will of God. But it comes with the price. You have to be willing to make up your mind and say, I don't care what anybody else is doing. I'm going to climb up the mountain. I'm going to sit with him in those places. And I'm going to have a God perspective. I know he supplies all of my needs in the valley. I know that the river flows in this earth. I understand that. But my God has called me to go up higher. And like Moses, I've got to keep on going up higher until I reach the place of his glory. Until I get to a place where it's not the anointing in my life. It's just pure submission and God says, I, I want to I do something with you and your family. I want to bless your home. I want to establish my name in your home. I want to be able to make my covenant with you. And I want to use you. And I want to win your family. And, and I want to answer your prayers. And I, I guess what God is saying right now, I want to answer your prayers. I want to save your children. I want your marriage to be strong. I want to renew your life. I want to restore your hope. I want to I vindicate you. I want to give you a peace so you can sleep at night and not be dependent upon other substances just to find peace. But when I think of the goodness of God, but when I think of all that he's done for me, I know what it's like to be in his presence and be on the mountaintop you got to go sometime. you got to fast sometimes. you got to pray sometimes. It's not as hard as you think because once you build the momentum, you can maintain that by quality instead of quantity of time. It takes quantity of time first. Write this down. It takes quantity of time first to get quality. But you maintain quantity by quality. What do you mean, Pastor Bobby? Here's what I mean. The eagle soars by flapping its wings at a high rate. But when it gets up higher, it finds turbulent winds, and it allows the adversity to keep it gliding. Not as much effort. But if it ever does seem to go down a bit, it doesn't take as much flapping as it did before because quality is in higher places and you maintain that and when you want to go to a new level go back to quantity go up higher and maintain with quality 
this is a life, this is life experience. It took me years to figure this out. Quantity, quality, 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 quantity, quality, quality, quantity. Learn the secret. And you'll live life in victory to victory to victory. Instead of disappointment, instead of your emotions going up and down, instead of, I don't know if I'm going to live for God, I'm tired of this, people are doing me wrong. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Your God is bigger than that. Your God is way bigger than that. Your God said he'd never leave you nor forsake you. Give him a chance. Give him your heart. Give him your life. It's time to live for God. It's time to get a prayer life. It's time to be consistent. It's time to do what God's called us to do. You're valuable to him. He needs you right now. Your family needs you. The world needs us right now. We are somebody in this world. We're not derelict. We're not filled with heresy. We are the church. We are the hope in this world for a lost world. Come on, somebody. Lift up your hands. Stand to your feet. Somebody give God some praise right now. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.